0: Are we joyful when we pray for the brethren? Are we joyful? Are we thankful for God, for the brethren? So we are in the book of Philippians. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Philippians as we did begin this little journey uh, last time um, on the epistle of joy. Uh, we looked at how a little bit of the background, we just saw the couple of verses of Paul's greeting, and we learned how, what the importance is of being a slave of christ and what that means is that that's where the beginning of joy uh, starts is to be a slave of christ and when christ then will save a person a person then becomes the joyful and he makes disciples we began this little series to say joy in and of itself is what helps the church to grow and our sermon this morning We're gonna see that the joy in the believer is not kept to the believer, it is not kept to himself. I'll remind you again that we're talking about joy, not happiness, that's a happenstance. We're talking about the joy, not happiness that comes from circumstances of life. We are talking about this joy that comes from our faith in Jesus Christ, who is the very source of joy. And from that source of joy, you become thankful. You become thankful. Brothers and sisters, we need to draw closer to the throne of grace where we will drink from the well of life that we may become all the more joyful And all the more thankful. And no circumstances of life will ever take that away from us. Uh, This is, by the way, that joy, it will reflect your health with Christ. And that joy and that thankfulness will be reflected to your brethren. Our brother Paul, not this Paul, not the Apostle Paul, our brother Paul Washer, many of you know, right? If you don't know, I'll I'll dare for you to listen to some of his sermons. And I did say dare for you to listen to some of his sermons. Our brother Paul Washer said that joy is the thing that energizes the Christian. It is the very thing that energizes the Christian. It energizes the church. It's joy. Yes, brothers and sisters, we live in a world that is full of anxiety. Full of troubles and full of stress and full of worries and full of problems. A husband doesn't lead well. The wife doesn't submit the way she should. The child doesn't listen the way he ought. Your neighbors are annoying. Your car doesn't start. You get depressed. Some people become even suicidal. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that there is no difference from the Philippian church than what we have today. And the Bible tells us that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I want to be thankful while I'm here on planet Earth and joyful. I don't want to enter the gates of heaven depressed and and anxious. That would be hell. I want to live my life with you, brothers and sisters, joyfully and thankfully. I'll remind you that the Apostle Paul is in prison. And he is one who emphatically said, rejoice, I say to you, always rejoice. He's the one who's trying to encourage the people within this church whilst he himself is awaiting execution, waiting perhaps to get his head cut off. Now this got me thinking a little bit. For a believer who is willing to live for Christ, Willing to live with his ability, with his giftedness, and his and his and his life and his time, that are on top of the worldly anxieties, there is persecution as a Christian. On top of that, it can be hard to be a Christian. Let's face it. It can be hard, right? How hard the Apostle Paul is in prison. But we can also see. That the Apostle Paul, through the ministry that God gave him through the proclamation of the church, through the planting of the church, and everything that he went through, he's growing in a heart of thankfulness and joy. He's growing. I mean, you can hear the, the Apostle James here, can you not? Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce endurance. The testing of your faith will make you thankful. Did you know that? The, th- the testing of your faith will make you joyful. I'm concerned, brothers and sisters, if you don't have a thankful heart and you're not joyful. You, we cannot say I'm thankful and never look thankful or say thank you. We cannot say I'm joyful and never reveal it. I don't mean be a larrikin and muck around all the time like sometimes I do. No, the joy comes from from Christ. You ever heard the saying, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going, that means you become stronger in the ways of Under circumstances of life. However, there are, I got my own saying, but I'll tell you another one that just thinking about. There are some Christians or some maybe false converts that when the going gets tough, they get going and they leave. But I got one for you. As I was looking at the apostle Paul, as I was studying this man, I love studying the apostle Paul and what Christ has done in Paul. And I'm looking at this man, and I had one for you. When the going gets tough, the Christian gets humbled. When the going gets tough, God humbles us under a heavy load of trials and tribulations of life. And what happens when a Christian is humble? It makes you stronger in the faith. It makes you healthier in your deeds. It makes you thankful in your heart. It makes you joyful to live the Christian life. And you no longer see the difficulties in life and trials and tribulations as an obstacle, but as a blessing from God that you might grow in Christ's likeness. I dare say every one of you who's born again here this morning say, Lord, make me more like Jesus. That's a wonderful prayer, but be prepared to have trials and tribulations in life. If you want to be like Christ, praise God for you, but be prepared. This is what we see, the Apostle Paul, who is in this circumstance, but under this heavy load of circumstance, the Apostle Paul, he trusts in his Lord, his sovereign Lord, who's working out all things for good. And how does Paul reveal this? He has a thankful heart and joyful spirit towards the Christian. Paul's heart for those whom he loved under this circumstance. He wasn't angry. They're outside and I'm in here. No. He was thankful. He didn't hate them. He loved them. He wasn't arrogant. He was humbled. He was not selfish. He was selfless. He was not joyless, but he was joyful in prison. His concern was not for himself. And what we're going to see here this morning is Paul's expressions of joy. He is in trouble. He's suffering. He's mistreated. He's in prison. He hasn't seen them for years. He's in chain. He's waiting death. Yet he's thinking of others. And so this morning, in the next few verses, what we're going to be covering is our Paul's reflection, how he shows this. To his brothers and sisters that they may grow in Christ, in faith, in joy, in thankfulness. May we have this morning, this attitude. May we be encouraged as we read this word that we will become thankful Christians, joyful Christians. Listen, brothers and sisters, do we want health and strength in his church? We're not going to get it if we're depressed. Right? Sure. We're not talking about the worries of life. But if you are, then the one who's next to you will come and help you. We need that togetherness. We live in a society that is so self-focused. So self-focused, it's not even funny. And my concern is because there's stress, because there is anxiety, because there are problems of life, Christians will not come to Christ, will not come to the church to find those things and they'll be thankful in what they have and they'll try to find joy in the world. Uh, We will not grow in Christ's likeness that way and that will not bring strength and health to this church but more trouble that we already have. So let's look at our text for this morning. I'm going to do this maybe in two parts, perhaps three, depending on How far my brain goes, but turn to Philippians chapter one and we'll read from chapter uh, one from verse three to eight, but I will only cover three and four for this morning. I will, I, I, I've, I've titled this expressions of true joy in a growing church. The title is expressing of expressing of true joy, expressions of true joy in a growing church. So read with me from verse verse 3 chapter 1 apostle paul gave his greeting as as we looked at last time now he begins this way i thank my god in all my remembrance of you always offering a prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in a gospel from this from the first day until now for i'm convinced com, com, uh, confident of this very thing that he who began the good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. But it is only right for me to feel this way about you because I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are par- all partakers of the grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affections of Christ Jesus. Here's our first expression of true joy, we see that in verse 3. I thank my God. I thank. Easily overlook this. Paul is saying, I have a thankful heart. I have a heart of gratitude. I have a heart of contentment. At best, one can be thankful when? when the circumstances of good in life, right? When things are going well in life. I, I, I don't know if I ever hear anybody who has lost a leg and his first impression is, I'm so thankful. I, I don't know if someone lost an eye and says, I'm thankful. No, we, we live in a society that the first thought that comes to when we're saying, I'm thankful, it has to be with something good. It's never something bad. It's always good. I thank God I had a birthday the other day. Thank you, God. I bought a car. I'm so thankful for that. i got a house. I'm so thankful for that. My child, what a blessing from God. I'm thankful for that. My husband is leading well. I'm thankful for that. My wife is cooking well. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful for all the things that are happening to me. Now, these things are not wrong in and of themselves. Let me tell you, you ought to be thankful for these things. You ought to say, God, thank you for your goodness. I thank God for his goodness because the Lord is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Psalm 136, verse 1. You ought to give thanks for that. You ought to give thanks for the provision that God provides for you. Psalm 147. 7 to 9, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Give him thanks for his provision, 100%. You ought to give thanks to God for giving you strength, for protection. And he is trustworthy. Give him thanks. Psalm Psalm 28, verse 7, with my song I shall thank him. You ought to give thanks to God for your benefits, for your forgiveness, For healing, for redemption, for his loving kindness, and for his compassion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And there are endless other reasons why we ought to be thankful. But I do dare say that it's easy for us to give thanks to God when we have a warm bed, a roof over our head, a good meal, good clothes, a good family to be with, friends, and fellowship with the brethren. And a church that loves me, but a true mark of genuine faith that shows joyful spiritual growth in its effect that brings health to the church is being thankful with a heart of gratitude under severe difficulties just like Paul. Paul had nothing, and yet he possessed everything in Christ. Did you get that? Paul had nothing, but he possessed everything in Christ. Now let's understand something. I'll say it again. Being a Christian is not a walk in a park. In fact, if you desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, according to Paul when he writes to Timothy, you will be persecuted. There's going to be the trials and tribulations of life and the persecution of life. I am concerned if there's no persecution in our lives. Because if there's no persecution in our lives, how will we be in this light in the world? Paul is in prison because of the gospel, right? But he has a thankful heart. He's so grateful. There are no exceptions when it comes to persecution. All believers who give their heart to Christ in the ministry will somehow suffer persecution. And through much of tribulations and even persecution of life, Paul says, I'm thankful. Paul says, I'm thankful, and he is in prison. And I'll say forgive me before I say the word to the Greek-speaking people, but the word thanks there is ethkaristo. I'm hoping I said that properly, but that thankfulness is the same word that Brother Wes says when we broke bread and we gave thanks to God. This is the word that we get, the English word Eucharist. This is when we give thanks to the Lord and we remember the Lord and his sacrifice as his substitute for us and we are the recipients. And what Paul begins to do here is this. Pay attention, brothers and sisters. He's saying to these brothers, I am so thankful when I remember you I'm thankful like as if Christ was substituting himself for me. I am so thankful for you because I don't deserve whatever you're giving me. That's his thankful heart. He is so thankful for this church. As much as he was thankful in a sense, of course, to Christ Jesus being his atonement, being his sacrifice. Look at this. I thank my God. You know, it's never like the Apostle Paul is ever going to put the spotlight on himself. He's saying the reason that I am thankful is because of my God. I'm in prison, but I'm thankful because my God, he's the one who tore the curtain into where I can step behind the Holy of Holies now, free and cheerfully, and I'm thankful to him. Paul is saying, my God, this speaks of a personal relationship with God. My God speaks of Paul being close to God and God close to him. How close was God to Paul? He was in his heart. He was in his heart. As much as the Apostle Paul loved this church, as we looked at last time, Paul's heart of thankfulness was not just for the Philippians church. He had a heart of gratitude and thankfulness continuously. I'll give you some examples. When he writes to Timothy one three, he says, I thank my God whom I serve. He had a thankful heart continuously, always. Philemon 4, I thank my God always. Paul's thankful heart was drawn from his relationship with God when he writes to the Romans a wonderful little letter, if you can ever read it, of the justification by faith alone, in Christ alone, He after he gives the the greetings, from verse 8, he said, First, I thank God. And let's not forget, of course, the Corinthian church, that we will wish no one will ever become a church of the Corinthians. They're a, they're a pretty messed up church. The Apostle Paul says, I thank God, my God always concerning you. What a, what a heart for Christ. Can you see that heart of thankfulness? Because it must begin with God. One cannot truly say, I have a thankful heart unless he knows Christ personally. You can only say it with your lips and maybe receive the blessings of God. Maybe it can be like the children of Israel who were continuously saying thanks to God for everything he was providing for them, the quails and and the water and the shoes and the tents, only to curse him right after. You can say thank you to God with your lips. But if your heart is not right with God, you're only giving God lip service. When the Lord opened The eyes of Paul on the road to Damascus when God himself opened the floodgates of heaven and he opened up Paul and he tore him apart. And he says, now I'm going to make you a minister of the gospel. He gave him a new heart and new affections and new desires. And this apostle Paul says, I thank my God. He is my savior. He's now my eyes. He's now my feet. He's my guidance. He's my shepherd. He protects me. And in him, I am thankful. Right? And if this blessing is not enough, that we're Paul himself possessing the glory of God in Christ Jesus, look at verse 3 again. I thank my God in all my remembrance of who? Of you. Did you get that? This is a man who is chained to a, a Roman guard perhaps named Tony. We don't know. And maybe he was large and he couldn't move. We don't know. He has no rest in that sense. He's waiting death. What does he do? Because I'm thankful. I'm thankful in all the remembrance of you. Verse four says always offering prayer for you or Paul shows his thankful heart to the Lord as expressing it in remembrance. He had a special place for this church, right? He was grateful to God for them. And Paul, no doubt, he would have remembered when he was moved by the Holy Spirit of God to go and Actually, plant this church and the first converts that were there. Lydia, not Lydia Sard, but Lydia, she was saved, as we said the last time, and the whole household. Amen. Paul is remembering these things and he's giving thanks. He's giving thanks for a demon possessed who's actually being delivered. He's giving thanks to God. He's probably remembering the time when he's singing hymns in 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 jail and the chains fell off and 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 then a jailer gets saved and all his household. Praise God. And he's thankful for them because they're actually providing for Paul. Praise God for that. This man is in prison and he's remembering them. He's saying, I'm thankful to God for you. He hasn't seen them in 10 years. And so there would have been more converts that he's never met. He says, I thank the Lord. Now think about this for a minute. Paul is in prison. And he's the one who is suffering. But he wants them to know, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. What do you think that would have done to the church? What joy would they have been bringing the church in reading that the apostle who's suffering for the gospel's sake, miles away, with no fellowship of anyone, no church, his love and his affections, had not diminished towards them. That would be lo- let me give an example. Uh, I'll throw past the wares under the bus. He goes to prison. And he's chained to fat tony. And he cannot move. And he can't go anywhere. And saving grace keeps going, supporting him while he's in prison and you receive a letter from him. Would that not humble you? When he's saying, I am thinking of you, don't worry about me, Paul is saying. Don't worry about me. I'm thankful for you. In actual fact, in verse 12, he says, listen, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. And he's thinking about them while he's in prison. What a man of God. We need this. We are too self-focused, brothers and sisters. Too self, too much of me. We need to be like, the, like, like John the Baptist. We must decrease, that Christ may increase. <laughs> right? This is a selfless attitude, a heart of Christ. Paul's not concerned about himself, but he wants to strengthen the brethren. This is amazing to me. And he's revealing this joy to them. He wants them to know how thankful he is. We cannot have a thankful heart and keep it to ourselves. If you truly, Christ is working in you and you are thankful, your brother and sister are going to reap the benefits. Paul is thankful for this church because they are in partners with him. We'll look at that next time. He's thankful for their salvation, of course. He's thankful that they are praying for him. This is the first expression of Paul's heart in Christ for the brethren as he remembers them. Now we move to the second expression, verse 4. That's the first expression, a thankful heart. The second expression, joyful in prayer. Joyful in prayer. All right, so just before we go there, I just pictured, you know, I used to be a Catholic. I never remember any Catholics being joyful when I used to pray. They were depressed. I was like, ugh, my nun knees." It was depression. Sure, there are times I'm weeping, but I'm weeping for the souls of people. And there are times I'm weeping with joy for my own sins of continuously being forgiven. But there's joy there, right? So I just want to say that it just came to my head. Now look at verse 4. Verse 3 says, Thank my God in all the remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. You notice the a couple of things here, always. You know, we're learning hermeneutics, always, pen that out. And that's saying here that whenever Paul was remembering this church, whenever he was meditating on the goodness that Christ compelled him to and he was growing in, Paul wants them to know, I don't just have good thoughts about you. I don't just thank God for you. I'm actually praying for you. I'm praying for you Always. Always, whenever I'm thinking of God, whenever my heart is thankful, I don't just stop there. Every time I remember you, I am praying for you. In all my prayers, it's not just sometimes. I'm continuously, every time you come into my head, I will stop. I will stop and I'll give thanks to God and I'll pray for you. There is not a time when Paul remembers these believers as he's meditating on Christ himself that he doesn't give thanks and there is not a time that he remembers them that he does not pray. It's always continuously. the a challenge, right? This is a church, remember, that he has not seen for a long time. He barely knows some of the people there. It's been 10 years. Just think about it, our own congregation. We see one another. We know one another. We know our tr- trials and tribulations and struggles. Those of you who are continuously together, I think we know a little bit too much. Praise God for that. So we ought to pray in like manner. I'm joyful in that. That's, that's a good thing. And he says this. Look at this. Always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. And what this is telling us is this. Paul wasn't just praying for the elders. Okay, he wasn't just praying for the deacons. He wasn't praying for the super spiritual evangelist or the super holy joyful Christian in order to encourage him to be more Christian-like. And Paul was not praying just for the weak little Christian, the one who sits in the back and and is always angry. He wasn't praying for him. He wasn't just praying for those who are actually always troubled. No, Paul says he has every born-again believer in mind in that church. That's a wonderful thing. right? Do you understand that? Right? He had no judgment. He had no discrimination when he was praying because he wanted to bless the whole church. He didn't pick and choose whom to pray for. He prayed for the whole church. He wanted them to be like-minded, and his prayer was for all of them. Not just one person, not one that I favor, or not one. I think he needs a little bit more prayer because it's a little bit. No, he, got, he, Paul prayed for all of them. Now they had problems. As we will see later on, there are people, two women arguing that they had, you know, some sort of, um, divisions going on, but Paul's heart is for all of them so that they can be united. That's what the prayer for. He's praying for that. He might have been far from them. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. When we are thankful for one another and we are praying joyfully, we can see one another. Paul couldn't see them. They didn't have a phone. They couldn't zoom. You now Paul's in prison, and they were zooming one another. Oh, hey, well, at least I see you virtually. And we can do virtual supper together or something, right? They didn't have that. No. But no matter how far they were from Paul, they were in Paul's heart. And Paul could not have served them perhaps and loved them physically. But man, this guy was doing a whole lot more service than that. He was praying for them. And what does it say? Look at verse 4. Always. Offering prayer. Always. And the word offering speaks of a request. Right? It speaks Paul was praying on behalf of them. He was interceding for them. He was sacrificing as an offering his prayers to the Lord. Always. He's pleading for this church. It's like a high priest who would come and intercede for God's people as a petition. That's what Paul is saying here. He may have been away from them, but he loved them. This is a heart of Christ, is it not? Some might say, well, listen, brother, Paul didn't work. He didn't have children. He didn't have the troubles that I had. He had all the time in the world to pray, you know. I mean, he's chained to Tony. Where's he going to go? Sure, okay. But Paul wasn't praying for himself. His desire was, and we'll see through it as we get there, His desire was for Christ and his church to actually excel. He is in prison. He is in chain. He's under this heavy testing, and yet his heart is not selfish. It's selfless. And he's truly reflecting the humility and the wonders of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no wonder why we can read the Apostle Paul, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to pen down, Be imitators of me. I didn't think Paul said that as an arrogance and prideful boasting that he was actually something to be looked at. No, he says, be imitators of me. Why? Just as I also am of Christ. He's boasting in Jesus Christ. To Paul, praying was not a chore. He says, always offering prayer with joy. Paul thinks of the church. And he loves the church and he intercedes for this church. Think of Paul's circumstances, brothers and sisters. All right. Paul could not go to the closet prayer. Paul could not come to John's house and pray together. Paul couldn't come to the fundamentals of the faith and Paul didn't have private time. Paul didn't have a study room. Paul didn't have Anything. Didn't have a prayer group. But Paul surpasses all of his problems. He, he's not looking at his chains. He's not looking at the guard next to him. He's not looking at the fact he can't go anywhere to pray. Wherever Paul is, he's not depressed and he is praying with joy. You see, bringing the brethren before the mercy seat of God. Brought, it brought um, Paul such joy. It brought him such joy. Now, let me share something with you, brethren. I don't know what song that was, but I think it went with the sermon. Uh, well, he said, You are so beautiful, right? Christ is beautiful. I'm going to add that in there. Let me just share something with you. Last time, that we looked at an overview of, of the epistle and the apostle Paul, and we said this is a letter of joy, right? We've understood this is a joyful letter. I want you to notice something, brothers and sisters. The first mention of joy in this letter is Paul remembering the believers in praying for them. Did you understand that? The first time that we see joy in this letter Is Paul praying for others? Paul praying for others brought him joy. Did you understand that? It was not a burden to Paul. It was not, you know, sitting around like the, you know, the, I'm sorry, I'm picking on the Catholics today. Santa Maria, Madre de Dios, you know, there was none of that. Paul was cheerful. All right. He wasn't calling up on all the saints, Giuseppina, Maria, Contessa. You know, He wasn't doing that. He was calling up on the Lord with such joy. He didn't have to tell Paul to pray. Paul didn't have to ha- have a book and study with the men on Zoom how to pray. Paul had such a joy in Christ and from his heart he delighted to pray for the brethren. This is, this is a faithful person. We desire to grow like this. Do I hear an amen? Right? I mean, do we not want to grow in this kind of joy? Let me tell you the kind of joy that Paul had. Think of a couple who are now going to be married. Paul, the, uh, the Lord God has blessed them. They are coming together and they're working out all their stuff for marriage and they are going to a, a, a feast. They have a feast and they have all the... All, all the singing and all this stuff, and the two that are coming together are so joyful that they come together and they are dancing out of joy of love. If you could picture the apostle Paul stuck to Tony, he was dancing in his heart when he was praying. He was so joyful, right? We need to cultivate this, brothers and sisters. This is not worldly joy that Paul had, right? This is a joy. Let me give you some, let me give you some verses so that we can understand where is this joy coming from. Or well, one, the fruit of the spirit is love and joy. He was continuously with God, walking with God, even in prison. That joy is supernaturally given by the spirit of God. Listen, brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I think every Christian, whether you're this big or this little, you must have the joy of the Lord. We want to cultivate this joy. right? The scripture tells us that having joy is, is God himself who gives it to us. Romans fifteen thirteen says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy. God gives us this joy, but we need to be in prayer. We need to be with him. Think where Paul is and he's got all this joy. Think of what you have. Which one of us should be more depressed? Which one of us should have less joy? Having fellowship, according to 1 John chapter, th- chapter 1, verse 3 to 4, it says, what we have seen. And heard and proclaimed to you that you may have fellowship with us. Indeed, the fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. These things are right to you so that your joy, our joy, may be complete. You know where you get joy? Through fellowship, right? With God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the brethren. Paul doesn't have the brethren, though. And look at the joy that he has. We have one another. We have the brethren. If you are not joyful and you are not thankful, you must examine what's wrong with you. We're living in such a free country. Oh, yeah, all this stuff is happening. We are not worse off than Paul. It doesn't matter what's happening right now today. We are not worse off than Paul. And Paul is so joyful. Let me tell you how joyful Paul was. And we'll see later on. He preached to everyone there, right? He wasn't depressed. He wasn't walking around with Tony. All right, let me go and tell someone else about Jesus. No, uh, Tony had no chain. Naturally, I think Tony wanted to unchain himself to run away from him, but God had other plan and probably saved Tony. We named him Tony. It's a little thing. Uh, where, what, his name is not Tony. It's not in the scriptures. There's, there's no Tony in the scriptures for Sam. So sorry, brother. It's that, that, that take Tony out. Do you want to know another way that really warmed? the heart of Paul. The little letter of 3 John, verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than this. Are you ready? Than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I don't know about you, but when I see my brothers and sisters who are walking right with God and desiring God, I get so joyful. I really do. I I I'm so grateful to God for that. It brings me no greater joy than to see my brothers and sisters who desire it. But the opposite is true. The opposite must be true. And the other way that we must have this joy, we want to cultivate this, listen, brothers and sisters, Psalm 16, 11, it says, In your presence, in God's presence, there is the fullness of joy. And in your right hand, there are pleasures evermore. Apostle Paul was in a prison cell, and yet the outpouring of God, the divine God, the divine joy was pouring out on him, and he was thankful, he was grateful, and it caused him to pray with such joy for the brethren, the bars, the chains, the guards, the beating, the stripes. The uncertainty of Paul's life, the cell, the ugly food that perhaps he would have ate, even the bad teachers and false preachers who later on he talks about within this little letter, the troubled sisters, nothing, nothing could rob this man of the joy and being thankful and the result of that thankfulness was praying joyfully for the church. Can you envision this? Can you envision this in your own life? Can you envision this, that you have a thankful heart and a joyful spirit of prayer, what that will do to this church? We can agree that Christian ministries can be hard, right? But just remember Paul. How shall we respond to this, brothers and sisters? What do we do with what we heard? Let me give you some challenges. Let me just give you some encouragement and challenge. Number one, how close are you to the Lord Jesus Christ? How close are you? You know, many times we've seen the little scribbles of Wasam scribbles. Can I just grab one of those scribbles and teach you something again, perhaps through it? If there's a sheepfold and Jesus is in the center of this sheepfold, and you've got a fence around it, how close are you to the fence or how close are you to Christ? The closer you are to Christ, the more thankful and joyful you will be. The closer you are to the fence of the world, the less thankful and joyful you will be. And the less you will bring to this church to make it healthy and stronger. But the closer you are to Christ, the more on fire God can set us here. Ask yourself, number two, what is robbing you from the joy of the Lord this morning? Are the cares of the world taking you away? Are you too concerned about your business and your jobs and your health? your wealth, your ovens, your pergolas, it doesn't matter. If that is actually robbing you of the Lord's joy, I would ask you, please, I beg of you, look at the Apostle Paul. Why is it that this man could be so joyful, so much so that he gives it to people? He does not keep it to himself. We need to understand that. These are the expressions of joy, which means you are the beneficiaries of that. Do you see, number three, trials and tribulations of life as friends or foes? If you look at the trials and tribulations of life as your friends, I'll tell you something, brothers and sisters, you will grow. You will grow. You will face them with Christ. You will face them with him, and you will grow. For do you have a thankful heart? Are you thankful? Are you actually thankful? Paul's desire for the church was to grow. I want to ask you, examine yourself. What's your desire for this church? What do you desire for Saving Grace Bible Church? What is your desire for the church? Can you truly be thankful and joyful for the church in prayer? Whenever Paul thought of the church, he was thankful. What about you? Are you thankful when you think of the church? In actual fact, are you thankful for your brethren? In actual fact, how often do you tell your brethren you are thankful for them? And how often do you pray for your brethren for their growth, that they may excel in their love for Christ? Of course, you'll be the beneficiaries. This is encouraging. The the church would have been so encouraged to read this. Paul could only remember the fellowship and joyfully thank God for it and pray for them. Brothers and sisters, we have it. I don't know. I don't know about you, but shouldn't we be more joyful, right? We should encourage one another to be thankful and joyful. I'm grateful. I'm going to tell you, as God, I am so thankful that every week I hear someone's open up their houses to go to their house. I feel left out. God, give me the eighth day so I can have someone in my house. I'm thankful for that because you are saying I'm thankful. I'm thanking the Lord for this church and I love them so much so that I'm going to open up my house for them. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Paul is actually often praying for this church with a thankful heart that they may grow in the gospel, in love, and in unity, habitually. How often, brothers and sisters, do you make it your aim to pray for your church? When I say church, I'm talking about all those who are born again. And more so, Paul is aiming, of course, at the members of this church who are saying, this is my little church. This is where I belong. So, do we make it our aim to pray for others instead of ourselves? Please, brothers, this is not discouraged. It's encouraging. But it's an examining time. Are we joyful when we pray for the brethren? Are we joyful? Are we thankful for God? For the brethren. Remember, Paul has a thankful heart, right? And he expresses it to the believers whom he has not seen in such a long time. I can tell you someone this week, Send me a text saying they were praying for me, I was overwhelmed with joy. I really was. It was a joyful moment for me that someone would think to pray for me and let me know. This is what Paul is saying here. (laughs) It's okay. It's not sinful. It's not prideful to say somebody, I am praying for you, brother. I'm praying for you, sister, that the love of Christ may excel in you. And that in your giftedness and whatever little ability that you have, you bring the Saving Grace Bible Church because I want it. That's encouraging. That's encouraging. This is true biblical joy. It is expressed in thankfulness and in prayer. I want to leave you with John MacArthur quote. He said this, like Paul, I want to remind you, Believers who possess God-given joy do not focus on themselves, even in the midst of pain or difficult circumstances. They are rather concerned about their fellow believers' pain, difficult circumstances, hardship, failures, and sorrows, and they earnestly intercede for them. They joyfully pray for God to bless their fellow believers in every way above all their spiritual welfare. I pray that God has spoken to you this morning, that you may examine how thankful are you, how thankful are you for this little church, and how do you reveal that thankfulness? How do you reveal that thankfulness? Are you joyful through this church and your brothers? How do you reveal that joy to them? And do you pray joyfully with a thankful heart? I'll leave that in God's hands with you. Let's pray. Father God, your word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, we pray that through this, through your word, that you will give us, Lord God, a heart of hope. Lord, a heart that is expressed in our joy, in our thankful heart, first and foremost with Christ. If we are thankful to Jesus Christ, why would we not be thankful for others? If we are thankful for our own salvation, why we will not bring it to others? Lord, please, we pray that we can cultivate this heart, the heart of Paul, where he was selfless. He had a heart of gratitude. He was not looking at himself chained to a man in the prison, waiting sentence, waiting to die. But he was thinking of others. Father, yes, we live in troublesome times. Lord, there are, there are things that are going on around the world that people are running to and fro, but we can have peace and rest in Christ where we will find joy and joy above all things that we may share with our brethren in prayer and in service as we will see next time, Father. It does not stop in just being thankful and just praying. There is a service that takes place in the heart of God's people. Give us this heart, God. Let us grow in this, Lord, that we may have the fullness of joy, that our hearts will be so thankful, Father, that this church will, ch- will, will flourish. That will be remembered that the people who were thankful to Christ and for one another, and joyful unto the Lord, and revealed to one another, Lord God, in words and in deeds, and in prayer. Please, we pray, Father, that You will help us in His Father. I pray for those who also who do not know You. Oh Lord, that You will bow their knees to Christ, that their first thankful will be, "Thank You, Lord, for saving a sinner like me." that you will lead them, Lord God, to Christ where they will look up and say, have mercy on me, Lord, the sinner, where you will remove their heart of stone as you did the apostle Paul and any other believer in this place, and you give them a heart, Lord, of flesh where they will receive all the righteousness of Christ they do not deserve. And then they can become really thankful and really truly joyful. How can any man have a thankful heart if his heart is against Christ? And how can any man truly have joy unless the joy of the Spirit dwells in him? So we pray, Father God, that your word will do, Lord God, what it's purpose to do and not come back to you. Again.